Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, everybody, welcome to Revolution. Welcome to all you folks listening online as well. I'm glad to be in your ears wherever you're at, at home or at the gym, in the car. I don't know where I would listen to a sermon podcast at. In the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> in the shower. In the shower radio. I wonder if they have shower MP3 players. You can hang from the... I had a shower... A radio in the shower in high school, and I thought it was probably the coolest thing in the world. Do you remember those? Suction cupped against the wall. You had the hook? Yeah. I wanted the hook because the suction cups never stuck. So I was always had my radio on the falling on the ground. I don't know why I couldn't just put a radio in the bathroom. Why you had to have one in the shower. And I don't think it sped up any time. I think I spent more time in the shower because I was rocking out. Um, man, uh, so Trump is taunting, was it North Korea? To, and professional athletes and all that. He did a lot today. Yeah, it's really, I just can't, I can't, I can't. It's getting really tough to have our president on Twitter. They should have said, Instead of the 240 characters that they're going to add, they should have just said, we're going to take Trump off. We're going to help stop nuclear war from happening on Twitter. Um, That has nothing to do with my sermon. That has to me to do with me tweeting today when I should have been preparing and working. Today is a little bit of a repeat. I'm not going to lie, but I like to beat a dead horse. Um, I mean, really, I feel like I've been preaching the same sermon for 20 years just using different scriptures to do it. So, uh, and I didn't even realize it was a repeat until today. I was like, oh, let me flip through my notes. And I was going, oops. So if you were here about six or seven weeks ago, you'll find some strange eerily, I think it was the last time you were here. Yeah, so. (laughs) You'll remember this one. It's like a greatest hits. Um. Oh, another thing is I'm going to a concert tonight, and me and last night from friends of ours got me and Karen um, a certificate to go out for dinner, and they said they would babysit the kids, so they babysitted the kids, and we went out last night, and it was great, and we had a great time, and we really needed it um, because we were both just stressed out, and yesterday, oh, we tried to go to this fair, this fall fair thing. And she was in a bad mood, and I was having a panic attack, and just in the car, and those two just don't go together very well, you know, because one person's mad, the other person thinks they're going to die. So then we get to the thing, and the fair thing, and a mile out, it's dead stop traffic. And of course, every, you know, they're closing freeways in Minnesota. So we turned around. 
after a 30 minute drive. And then we found a park. We found a really cool park for Milo to play in. And uh, but I guess the point of the story is, is that we got we we went out to eat, and we picked up the kids around eight o'clock, and we were like, oh man, it feels so late. And then tonight's concert, we're going to see this band, Future Islands, and uh, the show starts at nine. I mean, I'm like, wow, I can't believe how old I feel, because nine o'clock feels like might as well be three o'clock. So hopefully I can take a nap when this thing's over. On a school night, I know. We had to get a another babysitter. This time we have to pay him, though. Last night was a birthday present. So, yeah, we'll see. Karen's like, I really hope they go on time, get up on time. So depends on how rock and roll they are. The only band I've ever seen get up, get up on, on stage on time was Billy Idol, of all people. He said, so starts at 8. Started at 8, and he was done by like 9.30. So I just figured he had the Golden Girls were on at like 10 or something. So he had to get done there. Um, so First John is where I'm at in uh, 4, 7. I think we have the first time I've ever had anybody open a Bible to church. Uh, <laughs> mark that down and. <laughs> in the calendar for that. Um, Oh, my son is also getting a big bed today. My son is moving from crib to the twin bed today. It's another life milestone. So maybe I'm being too authentic and sharing too much. I don't know, but I want to share my milestones with you. So I was taking pictures last night of my son in the crib, like, last night in the crib. Um... Life is changing. So, seven, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who love is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God for God is love. God's love was revealed amongst us in the way God sent his only son into the world so that he might live through him. In this, in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, be loved since God loved us so much. We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and in his spirit because he has given us the spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son and the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected amongst us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. 
the commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brother and sisters also. And to be honest with you, if we could just stop right there, because that's enough for me. We're not going to because, you know, I want to give you your full free dollars worth. Um, but this is such a great verse. And I remember one time I was on Twitter and, um, this was years ago when I had more of my Twitter mojo, um, which I've lost. I don't know how to do Twitter anymore. I don't know why I just somehow forgot. Um, but I remember putting up God is love and someone goes, God is God is not just love, God is judgment, and God is wrath, and God is, you know, they always want to say God is all these things. And I'm like, well, the Bible says God is love. Where does the Bible say God is love? And I remember going, does the Bible say God is love? <laughs> and having to, like, pull out the, <laughs> I think I Googled it, but, you know. Back in the day, I used to have to pull out the concordance, you know, or you look for words, like, what word, love, okay. You know, go down 500 different scripture verses until you can find which one is love. Um, But this was the thing, God is love. And what I love about this is not only that I'm getting to beat a dead horse with love. I mean, that's what we talk about here at Revolution. We talk about grace and we talk about love. Um, Those are the things that I feel like aren't heard enough about in the Christian faith. And so those are the things that I'm a broken record and I'm stuck on. Love, love. Um, Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And I think we see every day in life people who know love much greater than those who claim to know God, you know. Um, Today I saw a picture, I think, of one of the politicians in um, Puerto Rico and I think it might have been the mayor. Is the mayor a woman there? Yes. Yes, it was her. And she was waist deep in water with a megaphone calling out for people. I mean, higher than, I mean, it was higher than her waist. You know? And at the same time, our president's golfing. Now, presidents, I understand, have a stressful job and they deserve to be able to golf. I get it. You know, but it's just a strange thing when when he's arguing, sending tweets saying that she's not doing a good enough job or things like that. And she's out there waist deep in water going, you know, hello, is anyone out there? And um, I don't know what her her spirituality is, but I know that there's God there. You know, Um I think I see, we see it every now and then in celebrities. One real controversial celebrity, I think, is Sean Penn. People have really weird feelings about him. But uh, a few years ago, where was he when there was a big earthquake? He went somewhere, and I can't remember exactly where it was, but um, he just stayed. He stayed for a long time, and I remember thinking that there was such a f- fingerprint of God's love there. You know, didn't matter what he believed or didn't believe. It was just... I remember that thinking that that was just, and to me, an example of what love really is. And I think we miss out on that. I think we want to have some sort of label or want people to label it in order to see that. But when we love others, we see God. And this talks about believing in Jesus and seeing Jesus. 
but part of the fruits of the spirit is love and we are known by you know we will be known that we belong to god for our love and our love for one another uh for our fruits which is fruits is love peace patience kindness joy long suffering there's a couple other ones um goes on to say, be loved since God loved us much. We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. Um, there's an old, the old question is, who do, what, what do I love when I love my God? Or who do I love when I love my God? Or I think it was, what do I love when I love my God? And the answer to that is obviously the other. We love the other when we love God. We love the stranger, we love the enemy, we love the spouse, we love the children, we love, and some. And we even try to muster up enough love to even love our president a little bit. Um, I have not reached that level of love yet, I'm going to admit, I have a real rough time with that. Um, but I think the reason I have a rough time with that is because there might be genuine love there that says, I want to see something change. You know, I want, I care about other people. And uh, it's sad to see someone blinded by misinformation and uh, maybe some ignorance. Um, you know, how do we change people? God is love, it says again. And those who abide in love abide in God, <clears throat> and God abides in them. <clears throat> I just like that. I like I like the fact that 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 it's uh, part of sixteen before before seventeen. And, and uh, sometimes I wish there weren't verses because the verses cut things up, and I like to like grab half a verse sometimes and say that. But what well, there weren't originally verses, so there you go. Because you get the beginning and the middle of a a sentence like in one verse and then half of another in another verse it's really weird um but so we have known uh, this is the whole verse 16 says so we have known and believe that love that god has for us god is love and those who abide in love abide in god and god abides in them that would be something good to just have written down on a card uh, around uh, something to keep in your wallet God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. And recognize that in others, and see that in others. We've seen people like Gandhi who have that kind of love. We've seen people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who practice that type of love. Um, those are just two examples that come to the top of my head. It goes on to say in 18, and I'm reading it just reading over again, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. And this is kind of a radical change in the Bible because before there's been like, you know, fear God, you know, go God with fear and trembling and all this thing. But a lot of the time what we see translated in fear God is actually awe, wonder, um, respect. It's not that it's not the oh, I'm scared, you know, and this is talking about this is saying perfect love casts out all fear. Think about if they, we had that in our own relationships with others. You know, we didn't have to fear others because we knew they loved us. Or we were able to love others enough and they knew they didn't have to fear us. You know, that we've expressed that type of perfect love. 
because I don't know if we know it or not, but there's always probably someone out there who is intimidated, doesn't feel complete, feels strange, maybe thinks you don't like them, you know. And how do we take that and change that? And how do we accept that perfect love casts out all fear? How do we lose fear and, and accept that we're accepted? That's a tough one. That's really the big, big one for me, is how do I accept that I'm accepted? How do I know that I'm loved? How do I not have that fear of myself? How do I love myself? You know, and and not have the fear that I'm a failure or that I haven't done enough or that I should be doing more or that, you know, whatever, my career has gone this way rather than that way. You know, all the doubts and insecurities that come with life. So I want to strive for perfect love. Because I love it because it says fear to do with punishment and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. So, I, you know... I, I think that's a good thing, you know, and I also like it. it says we love because he first loved us. Those who say I love God and hate their brother and sister are liars for those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they haven't seen. So it's kind of a high calling to love, you know, if you can't love people you can see, how can you love a God you can't see? I love that. Like, I love it because it's back even back up higher. It says, you know, no one has ever seen God. But I swear you'd act, act, some preachers and pastors act as though they, like, sit down with God for lunch every week, you know, <laughs> and that they know what God is, you know. And, uh, well, God told me it's okay to exclude these people, you know, or I read the Bible, and so the Bible tells me I can't, I don't have to love these people, or I can love these people in a strange way that, doesn't look anything like love and we're going to get to that in a second you know what does love look like um you know so that's that's there and here there near that is there and here it's not neither there or there there here it's here and there um first corinthians is is a sermon i mean a verse that i use a lot in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm using a new, another new Bible today. It's not a new, I mean, it's not new. It's just one that I went downstairs into the basement and was like, I'm going to grab another Bible today. See if this one has a better type on it because I have my eyeballs are 41 and <laughs> so is the rest of me. So, uh, but what does love look like? And I think four through seven in the Corinthians 13 sums it up, but I'm going to start with one because it, it, it shows us uh, all the things we could have, but without love is nothing. Uh, if I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic power and understanding of all mysteries and all knowledge, and to have all faith, so to remove a mountain. Now, you think about if we had somebody who, who could do that. 
Um, we knew all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and we have some pastors that seem to get close to that. Um, but without love, they're nothing. And if we keep in that, keep that into perspective, that is the ultimate test of where someone is with the with God is love. Because it says that I could remove mountains, I could have all the knowledge, but if I do not love, I'm nothing. I'm, it's like a clanging cymbal. I'm just noise. If I give away all my possessions, which we love when people do that, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now, I'd say some of these things you probably do, you're going to do out of love. But Paul is making it clear here that love is always the key. For me, it's the fly in the ointment. It's the reason I, you know, one of the things when I try to, when I struggle with my faith, the whole idea of loving enemies and doing good to those who persecute you and things like that, keep me coming back. You know, there's times I just want to get away from it and like, you know, I'm going to go get a job down at uh, Ikea or... What's what's the big the big store with all the big boxes in it? What is it? Costco, yeah. I thought about getting a job at Costco, doing that. Amazon, better for, yeah, maybe Amazon. I can deliver your package in one hour now that you can, like, would you like this tomorrow, yesterday? Yes. It's really weird. I have a friend who orders groceries through Amazon. Just puts a little box outside, and they bring a new box. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm becoming technical, a technology phobe. I'm 41, and I'm a technology phobe. I just had my friend come into town and help me get all my passcodes and everything back up, and then running and everything. Because if I lost my phone, all of revolution would die. There would be no voice of revolution. And I saw so my buddy who's who works with Revolution, Paolo, who does all the editing and stuff, was like, came in town, and I was like, I know this is your vacation, but I need you to save me. Because <laughs> I don't know any of my passcodes, and I don't have half the email addresses I used to have. So he did, and that was nice. Because he loves. That's the point. <laughs> no. Um, if you don't like rabbit holes, I apologize. You're in the wrong place. Because I love rabbit holes. This is where Corinthians gets 13, gets really awesome and juicy, is 4 through 7. Um, you hear this a lot at weddings. Um, I'm going to say, uh, if you can, if you could have this in your marriage, wowzers, please send me a letter or, you know, or come down here and let me know how to do it because I could really use, the, you know, because being married is not always easy, you know. Just gonna put that out there. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's tough, and sometimes there's compromises, and sometimes it's a lot of work. And then when kids come in it, it's not about you two anymore. It's really bizarre, and uh, makes things tough. It's so funny going on a date night last night talking about how love and things change as you get older, but or as you have kids and things. Um, it was so nice because it was reminded me of our first date. You know, when we went out and go, it wasn't really a first date for her. But for me, I was kind of like, oh, maybe this is kind of a date. We were just went out together and hung out. 
and I had like a hundred diet cokes cause I was super nervous and, uh, which I'm sure helped having that much caffeine. Um, but we just sat there and talked and had a great time and that was what it was like last night. But you know, it's just, I was like, man, I miss this, you know, but life, life is tough. Life hands you a lot of responsibilities and kids have to eat and dinner has to be put on the table and you got bedtimes and you got responsibilities and you got your job and her job and it's tough. Um, love is patient. This is what it says here. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, if reading this chapter could produce in you this type of love, I would have it by now, because I think I've read this chapter a million times. Um, the, I, this was read at my 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 first marriage, my first marriage wedding, you know, and that worked out well. Eight says, love never ends. <laughs> um, it goes on to say, for prophecy, they will come and do an end. For tongues, they will cease. For knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part prophecy, only in part, but what complete comes and partial will come to an end. Eleven says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, and these three are the greatest of these is love. So love is greater than your faith and greater than hope. Love is the greatest thing we can have. Paul makes it very clear. Um... Paul is very important. Paul was reach, was called to reach the Gentiles. God, when, when God chose Paul, when Paul had his vision on the road to Damascus, our faith grew ex- extensively. Saul saw, why did he persecute me? Now he, Jesus uses his Pharisee who didn't want to probably hang out with Gentiles or be seen with Gentiles and says, I'm going to use you to reach even more people than you imagine. The disciples were focusing on fellow Jews, and then Paul is called to reach out even further. So Paul knows a little bit about this, uh, what it's like to have to to love outside of your comfort zone, and what it's like. He said, "You know, when I was a, when I was a child, sometimes out of our own immaturity, out of our own needs, our own stuff, it's harder for us to love. Out of our own wanting to." be self-care, take care of ourselves or have what we want. It's harder for us to love. But there's a key in this. God is love. We want to understand that. We want to show that love. If Christians were really examples of love, I saw a bumper sticker and I, I didn't see the bumper sticker. Someone took a picture of the bumper sticker and I saved it. Let's see if I can find it. I thought it was really funny. Here it is. Maybe I'll use this for the picture, for the sermon picture. Um, Jesus Christ didn't die so you could be an asshole. That's the bumper sticker. Um, Unfortunately, that's how a lot of people 
seemed to come off. And, and you know, out of, out of Christian love. And uh, not meaning to, but Christian tradition, the church, we, you know, it says love doesn't demand its own way. And if you ask me when I was a kid, you know, what the church did, it was like that seemed to be all that it did was demand its own way. And say, we're going to do this way. You're going to live this way. Don't go with these people. Don't do this thing. Don't hang out with these people. You know, whatever. And, I mean, Christian school had so many rules. I never expected to hear that love was patient. I never expected to know that love was kind. You know, I think as a child, as a teenager, I was dying for patience. And I didn't find that in the church. I found that in public school more than I did there. And to this day, I still feel like I find more patience outside of the church. Now, I have a few people in the church who have shown me patience and kindness and are great. Um, But not as many as I would like. When I went on, when I went with uh, a tour with this group called Soul Force, we went and met with churches that were not LGBTQ affirming. And we wanted to talk to these churches about opening up to gays and lesbian, bisexual, transgender folks. And I'm sure they felt that we were troublemakers. And I guess some ways we were. Um, but a good kind of trouble. And the arrogance and some of the rudeness that I saw was unbelievable. The arrogance of saying we will never be open to this. This is nothing we will even ever consider. Just clear as day. You know, this is how it is. And it's like love doesn't keep its, I mean, so if love is patient, love is kind, it's not envious, it's not boastful, it's not arrogant or rude, and it doesn't insist on its own way, you know, how is that? It's not irritable or resentful. You know, growing up as a kid of a fallen minister, I saw a lot of what, irritable and resentful people towards my family. And yes, the majority of them were fellow believers. So it was really tough to deal with. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. And that's a fully loaded one right there because people have any different ideas of what's wrongdoing and what is truth. Um, But I think if you follow the the train of thought here of not envious, not boastful, not arrogant, not rude, these things. So the truth is when people are loved and not held, you know, are, are forgiven and is not treated a certain way. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and this is the big one right here, endures all things. I mean, all things endures, love endures all things. It goes through all things. That's where loving your enemy, you know, that's a part of the love that you need when loving your enemy and loving those who who, who persecute you is enduring through all things. If I could, you know, I, I wish I could do that better in my relationships with my friends. I wish I could do it better in the relationship with my wife. I wish I could do that better in the relationship with my family. It's so hard to endure through some of that stuff with my own family. Um, And I'm using these examples and being honest with you is because I want you to be able to be honest with yourself. You know? 
And it says in eight, love never ends. Now, part of that is love never ends. And, and, I, and I want you to remember too, is that this isn't just for other people. Remember, I said that before, but I want you to say it again. When it says love is patient and kind and not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude, that also means for you. I always, you know, the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I say love yourself as your neighbor has been my new thing because I've learned that self-love is something that I really struggle with. If I talked to any of you the way I talked to myself inside, um, no one would be here. (laughs) I would not have any friends. Um, And I think sometimes how we love ourselves you know, affects how we love others. I know it does for me, at least with my strength and how much I'm able to muster up because I'm going, oh, Jay, you're a piece of crap. Oh, Jay, you're this. Oh, Jay, you're that. You know, I'm not being patient with myself. But I know when I try to get in my wise mind, which is kind of this middle place in my head, and I go, well, what would you say to someone who was attending revolution? What would you say to a friend in this? And I go, oh, you know, it's okay. This is this is really, or 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 not even this is okay. Oh, this really sucks. This is really tough. This is a really tough thing to go through. You know, and learn to empathize with myself. It's, it's a tough road, but it's something that needs to be done. Self care is something that needs to be focused on in our own lives, in order for us to love others. In order for us to be productive members of society, in order for me to find some sort of help. Now, I want to talk about this love is, God, if God is love and the love it, it never ends and it endures all things, love is infinite. And we're finite. We're only here for a certain amount of time. We're finite beings. But if we want to touch, if the finite wants to get in touch with the infinite, we do that through love. You know, if God is forever, if God is infinite, God is this, What? how do we in touch with that? Through love. I, I, I know God because I know love. I know the infinite because I know love. When I love, that carries on infinitely. It carries on to my children, carries on to their children, carries on to their children, carries on to theirs, so on and so forth. That's the infiniteness of love. When sometimes when people are kind to us, people are gracious to us, you know, you often find later that, well, they had a relative or they had someone special in their life who cared about them. You know, I know I had a few people in my life when I was younger who would go out of their way to show me love, to show me grace, to, sh- to sh- just show me that I was special. I remember one time uh, I was in school and it was my birthday and um, I had mentioned this football that was signed. It wasn't actually signed. It was just <laughs> marked in rubber stamp or something. Jim McMahon. Now Jim McMahon was the quarterback for uh, the Chicago Bears and I think it was 1984 when they won the uh, Super Bowl. And Jim McMahon was really cool because he wore sunglasses and a bandana. And they had a wrap, the Chicago Bears wrap. Google it. Trust me. 
Uh, Refrigerator Perry was this big guy who was on the team. Actually made a G.I. Joe action figure out of him. Anyway, so I was a kid at school. Probably had everything I wanted because I was spoiled. But I was overweight and insecure. And I remember uh, this friend of the family came to school the day and brought me this package, and it was that football. Now, I could not play sports for the life of me. I could not. I didn't know anything. I just knew that the guy wore sunglasses and a bandana and looked really cool. And I had seen this football at Toys R Us, and somehow I wanted to relate to him. And I even dressed up as him as Halloween for Halloween. Um, kids do weird things. Didn't like sports. But, man, I remember this football and how special I felt and how much love I felt because somebody went out of their way and said, I love you and care about you. And I remember years later, there was a kid going through a really rough time, going through a lot, and he had mentioned a skateboard that he wanted. It was a little more expensive than the Jim and Man football, I think. But I remembered that football. And so I went and got this skateboard. When I went over to his house and said, hey, I was just thinking about you. You're, I know you're going through a rough time. I just want you to have this. And for me, that was, I was probably... 21, 22 years old, but it was because I remembered when I was 11 years old what that felt like. I can almost say moments like that are moments why I went into the ministry. Is because someone showed me some sort of love that broke through a moment, and I wanted to kind of take take part of that infinite love that continued to pass on. You know, why do I? you know, continue my mom's work. You know, she was so into letting people know that Jesus loves them. She was not a theologian. She was not a scholar. Um, she was a little quirky. But man, she loved people. Even when she disagreed with people, she loved them. She would go to gay pride parades and lead everybody in Jesus loves me. You know, and she was never affirming you know, which means that she never was like, oh, it's okay to be gay. But she never reached that point. We had conversations about it. She had that old-time religion, but she still loved her gay and lesbian kids and family and people, and she wanted to let them know that Jesus loved them no matter what. And that was the type of thing that I grew up in and was like, okay, that reproduces. That continues me going, you know. I think that's why it's hard when I, I, uh, I'm not even going to get into it. (laughs) It's too hard. Um, When we love things that we do, we give support. We speak truth out of love. So sometimes even hard things, when, you know, when we really love each other and we go, okay, maybe it's time we go to counseling or maybe it's time we sit down and have this conversation. You know, maybe it's time this is a tough talk that we have. A lot of those things come out of love. So it's not all just rainbows and kittens. Um, we often will take stands out of love that are unpopular or get us into trouble and whatever. And we say, you know what, I'm going to take a stand because I feel convicted, because I feel a love that's pushing me and calling me this far. So when, you know, that's me saying, you know, those are things when you're really experiencing something that supernatural presence of God is that love that says, 
People are going to tell me I'm wrong. People are going to tell me I'm not of God because I'm following my love. But love, God is love. And we may even, shockingly enough, we may even compromise sometimes when it comes to love. But, you know, that's a really important thing in relationships and building unity. When you come in to build unity, you don't just go like, well, I'm going to be me and you're going to be you and we're just going to keep it here. That's not always how it works. Sometimes there's compromise involved in that work of reconciliation and in unity. I know it's involved in having family. I know it's involved in raising kids. I know it's involved in being married. So I know that, you know, that, that should be in, in 1 Corinthians 13. And love never gives up and love compromises. What? <laughs> but you know what I mean by compromise. Uh, I think some people call it a co-promise. <laughs> uh, I think that's what seven, the seven steps of highly effective people call it. Um, we want to see things work for the good of all humanity when we're in love. And we know that there's no perfect way to do that. That's why we're called to endurance. That's why we're called to patience. That's why we're called to long-suffering. When we love, we don't want war. We don't want eye for an eye. You know, we don't necessarily want people's sacrifices. Now, there will be sacrifice, though, for love. When we love people, we do make have to make sacrifices, and that's part of it. So it's not it's not all easy stuff. But it's how we get in touch with God that is love, that what is the infinite. Um, I'm going to end with uh, Matthew 5, 43. And I wasn't sure if I was going to read this or not, but I guess I will. You've heard uh, it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And that was the old law. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father. And this is Jesus speaking in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. I mean, just that right there so that you may be children of your father in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and then sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Um, shows a type of universalism that's really kind of beautiful it be also because it has to do with love. Send love on the righteous and the unrighteous. What? I mean, rain. Um, makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. Makes love rise on the evil and the good. It's really interesting when you look at that, the, how that's put. For if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles, which is most of us in this room, do the same. So therefore be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, which that word is actually means complete. But being complete is love. It's loving your enemies. It's doing good to those who persecute you. Your reign is love. The sun rising on others, your sun rising on others is love for others. It's a genuine thing. It's a tough thing. 
That's what we're called to do. And I will beat that drum until I can beat it no more because it's the one thing that keeps me coming back, folks. Is love. Love and grace. Those two strange words keep me coming back. And uh, I hope it encourages you to take that with you and dissect it and do with what you will. Take what you need and leave the rest here. I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And uh, and that love that really does pass my understanding. That you would help us to understand that more. Help us to love our enemies more. Help us to love those who persecute us. Help us to not give up and not lose faith in others. Help us to seek to truly experience you through that love. And that we would see that and recognize that in others. Amen. I wasn't giving God a thumbs up. That was my thumbs up to the sound man that service is over. Um, so we've been uh, chatting afterwards a little bit if people like it, if they want to, but there is no pressure. Um I'm wicked tired, <laughs> to be honest with you. But uh, if there's any, anybody wants any feedback or say anything, the floor is yours. I know I do it to a ridiculous amount. <laughs> well, that's a tough one. Uh, I probably say worse things about myself than I do the president sometimes. Because, I mean, to me, it's almost like a comedy. It's like a really bad comedy, the, seeing this happen. And You know, I mean, I feel like I'm 
capable of loving others to a, to to a certain degree, but I feel like I if you know without always loving myself, but I feel like I could be much better at it if I love myself more. I had to spend more time on it. Yeah, and for me, it's like, uh, it's like I, now we're just, because we're not taping anymore, so, um, but personally, you know, it's like, uh, it's so tough, because it's like, I can accept that God accepts me, you know? It's both. I can feel it and I can intellectualize it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm better at the intellectual side of it too. But I can, I can somewhat feel it. But then it's, then it's me. Then I have the hard time of saying, doing the, doing, following the example. You know. And then you go, well, do I really believe this stuff if I can't accept myself? You know, or how do I imitate this and maybe it is spending time maybe it is praying for yourself not saying i need a new car or anything like that but you know (laughs) you know i need help me to love myself you know yeah Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I think it's that that's
It's yeah. I sometimes wonder. I sometimes wonder if that part of my growing up, that religion and hearing that stuff, had didn't somehow embed itself in my psyche, you know. And those are old tapes playing. You know, they used to play a lot louder, but now it's almost that like they play at an unconscious level, you know. Of this. You're not good enough. You'll never be good. You're lazy. You need to do this. You know? But those were the type of messages I was sent in the church. And so how much of that was brainwashed into our heads? You know, and now we can't. It's gotten to a point where it's dangerous because we can't separate it from our own thoughts. Yeah, trust me, this thing is, I'm glad I'm not a literalist, I would go insane. I mean, there's times where I'm preparing sermons, just to be completely transparent, and I'll come across a verse and go like, oh, today's the day I just want to give up. If this is in here, I don't want to talk about this book at all, you know? I mean, there's things like, I'm like, well, I can justify it, and I can think of it this way or this way, you know. I mean, I talked about it last week when I was, you know, Jesus says, well, at least when when the Samaritan woman had to be like, well, at least dogs get crumbs from the table, you know, because Jesus was saying, I've come for these people. Why would I throw to the dogs what is good, you know? And, you know, and you're going like, oh, that's really harsh, Jesus. But then Jesus repents. That's where I get it. That's where I, I put the thing. Is just cause, well, you're right, and your faith has made you whole. You know, I think it's like, well, even Jesus repents, so maybe that's the excitement there. But just reading stuff like that where you cringe and you go, oh, you know. Yeah.
<laughs> Huge. See you guys. <clears throat> That's a good word. I think we'll... Yeah, thanks for solving that. But that Rob Bell book is really good, though. That just to reinforce that, that what is the Bible is really does help. Uh, uh, man, I, part of me wishes that he would have written that before he wrote Love's Wins. So some of the evangelicals people, his fans would have bought it and not written him off. Oh, because his book is so good. He did such a good job. I was like, oh, man. I've even been asking people who I know who are like, not fans of his to read it. I've been like, please. I'm thinking about sending a copy to my dad, actually. So, fingers crossed. He'll be like, Rob Bell, have I heard that name? I'll be like, no, you've not heard that name. Just read the book. He's a big evangelical speaker. He's very successful. People love him. Read the book, Dad. Yeah. Oh, that was nice for you to remind me of. There's the real love. Comes from here. The wallet, not the butt. Um, yeah, uh, the, we are a nonprofit church, and um, we do run this church through your support. So, which, man, I forgot to mention that online. Oh, well. I mentioned it last week online. So, But, yeah, you can give online at revolutionchurch.com if you like, or you can give in this hat if you like. Um, we'd rather have you than your money, um, but without your money, we might not have this place to meet you. So that's just where we're at right now. So I'm going to pass the hat, and you can pass it around. Ah. Yes, I'm losing my hair. It's all gone. But I miss my mind the most. <laughs> I feel like I should sing during. <laughs> well, thank you all, and we'll. I'm just going to clean up here a little bit, but we, you know, we're dismissed, and I'll stick around if you want to chat. And uh, yeah.